Shalom, I'm Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and it's great to be with you today. I have with me my dear friend and colleague, Robert Walter, who leads our Brooklyn work in our New York region. Welcome, Bobby. We're going to have a wonderful time exploring some very, very strategic and important topics today. That's right, Mitch. And uh, thank you so much and welcome, everyone. Uh, So today on The Chosen People, we're actually going to be looking at the future of the land of Israel and trying to answer the question, is it the promised land or is it a problem land? Wow, that is controversial, Bobby, isn't it? It really is. All right, let's do it. So, Mitch, when we think about the land of Israel, it really is a land that is special to not just the Jewish people, but I believe to God as well. And there's certainly biblical precedent for this. When we see God call Abraham to leave his family in Ur of the Chaldees, in Genesis chapter 12, part of the initial promise that he makes is concerning the land. He says, come and leave your father's house and I will bring you to the land. I will bring you to the the land that I will show you. Right. And as we follow the relationship between God and the Jewish people and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and his descendants, we see that the land promise is reiterated time and time and time again. And that deed of the land was given by God unconditionally to Abraham and his descendants forever. When we come to Deuteronomy, though, we're introduced to uh, more aspects of the people of Israel's relationship to this special land. In Deuteronomy chapter 28 and 29, God lays out all these blessings and curses uh, where he's letting Israel know that whether or not they possess the land is based on their obedience or their disobedience. And at the end of Deuteronomy chapter 28, we get this this warning from God and this promise from God. Uh, We read in verses 63, it shall come about that as the Lord delighted over you to prosper you and multiply you, so the Lord will delight over you to make you perish and destroy you, and you will be torn from the land where you are entering to possess it. So it's really, it's a very strong warning from God concerning Israel's possession of the land. Now, what's beautiful about this, when we keep reading into Deuteronomy chapter 30, we get another unique feature about not just God's relationship with Israel, but also Israel's relationship to the land. Because God says that after everything, after the blessing and the curse have come upon you, he says this in Deuteronomy 30, verse 1 and 2, He says, after everything happened, I will begin to bring you back, to regather you to the physical land of Israel. And from the four corners of the earth where you're scattered, God would bring the people back into the land of Israel. And what's amazing about it, verse 6, he says that it's not only going to be a physical regathering, but there will also be a spiritual rebirth that the entire nation of Israel will experience. He says, moreover, The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul so that you may live. And to me, that really is the the pattern that the prophets follow later on throughout Israel's history. I think one of the questions that our listeners are probably wondering, especially in light of continued unrest in Israel, always seems to be popping up. Remember, back a number of months ago, we had a war, an 11-day war in Gaza. Mm -hmm. And I think the real question a lot of people have 
is whether or not the modern state of Israel is the fulfillment of prophecy. You see, what we really have when we talk about Israel and the land is almost a conflict in covenants. There are two covenants that actually run parallel, and God works with people through covenants. He works through the church through a new covenant. Two parts to that new covenant in Jeremiah 31, affirmed in the book of Hebrews 8 through 10. Number one, our sins are forgiven. Mm -hmm. Number two, the law is written in our hearts. We have the power now to be transformed and to live new and godly lives in the power of the Holy Spirit. So God uses covenants. Now, the two covenants that are in seeming conflict but actually run parallel are God's covenant with Abraham, which you just mentioned. And it is on the basis of that covenant that the Jewish people were given the land unconditionally. And then there's the Mosaic covenant, quite different. The Mosaic covenant is based upon the obedience of the Jewish people keeping the law and therefore staying in the land. So in, in some sense, the deed was signed with Abraham. In Genesis chapter 15, you can see that. Abraham was actually asleep when the deed was signed. And, and God, in a vision, walked through the split animals, the sacrifices, and again reiterated the promise of the land. In other words, God took on the burden of making sure that the covenant would be fulfilled. And so that covenant does not rest upon the faithfulness of the Jewish people, but rather it rests upon the faithfulness of God. Right. Mosaic covenant's quite different. The Mosaic covenant is what you read in Deuteronomy 28. If the Jewish people are not obedient to the covenant, the Jewish people will be cast out of the land. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, I think we have uh, some really critical passages to help us understand God's relationship with Israel and sort of how these two covenants can be conjoined. In verse 6, Moses says, For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his own possession out of all the peoples who are on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any of the peoples, for you were the fewest of peoples. But because the Lord loved you, and kept the oath which he swore to your forefathers. The Lord brought you out by a mighty hand, redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant and chesed, loving kindness, to a thousandth generation with those who love him and keep his commandments. Now, God keeps his covenant to the Jewish people on the basis of what he promised the fathers. Now, who were the forefathers? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God will make sure that even if the Jewish people are tossed out of the land on the basis of the Mosaic covenant for disobedience, God will bring the Jewish people back. And so Jewish people may not always be in the land, but Jewish people will always have possession of the land on the basis of covenant. Makes sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So in verse 22 of Ezekiel 36, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it's not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations where you went, disobedience. I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you've profaned in their midst, 
then the nations will know that I'm the Lord, declares the Lord God. In other words, God's going to do something in the midst of Israel while Israel's in disobedience to demonstrate that he is the Lord of all, and this will bring honor rather than shame to his name. So we continue, when I prove myself holy among you in their sight. Now, here's what God is going to do that is going to vindicate his name and demonstrate his covenant faithfulness to the Jewish people, even when the Jewish people are in dispersion, but still in disobedience. Verse 24, for I will take you from the nations, gather you from all the lands, and bring you into your own land. God is going to bring the Jewish people back to the land of Israel while the Jewish people are in disobedience. So those people who say Israel doesn't deserve the land because they're not obeying the Torah and they don't believe in Jesus, they're wrong. Because God's promise and the clear statement in his word is that God will bring a disobedient people back to the land. And that's a greater miracle because that shows that God has power. Verse 25 and this is again what you refer to, that it's more than a land covenant. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. And here it is. Moreover, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you'll be careful to observe my ordinance. And look at verse 28. And you will live in the land that I gave to your forefathers, so you will be my people and I will be your God. On the basis of the Mosaic Covenant, the Jewish people are tossed out of the land for disobedience. On the basis of the Abrahamic Covenant, the Jewish people are brought back to the land, cleansed, and their hearts are turned to the Lord, and they are filled with God's Spirit. All sorts of new covenant language. So both covenants are operative. One is a covenant that's unconditional, the Abrahamic covenant. The other one, the Mosaic covenant, is a conditional covenant. In the Abrahamic covenant, God actually meets all the conditions and turns the hearts of his people to himself. The Mosaic covenant, we don't have the opportunity to have God turn our hearts. We need to demonstrate our obedience. Unfortunately, and it's not just the Jewish people, let me tell you, <laughs> All humanity, all humanity is disobedient. Paul says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's not just the Jewish people, but God has a special promise, particularly on the basis of the Abrahamic covenant, that he will bring the Jewish people back to the land in unbelief as a vindication of his holiness and as a sign of his faithfulness. And that is what we see in modern Israel today. Technology has given us an exciting new way to reach the Jewish people with the good news of Jesus like never before. Prior to 2014, we had to rely on billboards, buses, subways, and newspapers to get the word out. But now, with the advances of technology and your partnership, we can reach tens of thousands of Jewish people with a simple click of a button in this exciting digital age. So learn more about our mission and help us continue reaching Jewish people over the internet by going online to chosenpeople.com radio. That's chosenpeople.com radio. Or connect with us over the phone by calling one of our team members at 888-293-8888. 
1-800-273-7482. Thanks. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Here at Chosen People Ministries, we hear from a lot of Jewish people who have found the Messiah. And right now, we'd like to share one of those stories with you. I got my PhD in the field of organic chemistry, postdoc at Stanford University. Joined the group of a man who was going to win a Nobel Prize in chemistry. Voted one of the top 50 most influential minds in the world. I was a visiting scholar at Harvard University. I've spoken at every major university in this country. Have over 650 research publications. Voted the R&D Magazine Scientist of the Year. I'm in the National Academy of Inventors. I'm a member of the American Association for the Advancement of Science. Over 120 patents. Started seven or eight companies. We work in areas that range from medicine to material science to electronics, computer memory, medical devices. We work across a broad range of areas. But more than any of that, what means the most to me is that I'm a Jew who believes that Jesus is the Messiah. I grew up just outside of New York City. I thought everybody was Jewish. I didn't even know that there was anything else. I had no particular interest in that, other than when all my friends were getting bar mitzvahed or bat mitzvahed, and then I would attend, of course, every week. There was never really any excitement for me. I remember once I even tried to talk to a, a rabbi. He just brushed me off. There was very little explanation for me. I remember uh, when I went to college, I started meeting a number of people that said that they were born-again Christians, which was sort of an odd term. I was, what's born again? What do you mean, born again? One person saw me in the laundry room. He said, do you mind if I give you an illustration of the gospel? And I remember we sat there, and he actually started to draw a picture a cliff with a with a man on one side and he drew a little man and then another cliff with God on the other side and a big chasm in between that he labeled with sin and I looked at him I said I'm not a sinner I've never killed anyone I never robbed the bank how could I be a sinner and he had me read a verse from the Bible for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God in modern Judaism, we never really talked about sin. I don't remember ever talking about sin in my home. So he turned to another passage. Jesus said, I say to you that everyone who looks upon a woman with lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Pow! I felt just as if I had been punched right in the chest. Here I was, new in college. I didn't think anybody knew. I would pick up these magazines and I became addicted to pornography. It was just through those magazines. And all of a sudden, something that's written in the Bible, somebody from live, who lived 2,000 years ago is calling me out on it. And I felt immediately convicted and that now I realized I was a sinner. When I read in the scriptures, what sin is, then I knew I was a sinner. How am I going to get to God? We Jews know this better than anyone else. Without the shedding of blood, 
there is no forgiveness of sin. This description in Isaiah 53 of how he will bear upon himself my sin, the things that I had done, and this was him. This was the man that took this upon himself on the cross. The perfect God comes and gives himself for us. He is the one that gives himself for us. I started to realize how Jewish the New Testament is. This book is so Jewish. The New Testament is so Jewish. It's all around Jewish people. And then on November 7th, 1977, I was all alone in my room. The realization that Yeshua is the one who died on the cross. And I said, Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Come into my life. And then all of a sudden, someone was in my room. And I opened my eyes. I was on my knees. I opened my eyes. Who was in my room? That man, Jesus Christ, stood in my room. This amazing sense of God. Jesus was in my room, and I wasn't scared. All I started doing was just weeping. The presence was so glorious because he was there in my room on that day. And I didn't want to get up. And this amazing sense forgiveness just started to come upon me. That was him. Finally, I got up. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to tell. Here's this Jewish kid from New York City. What am I going to say? My cousins were shocked. How could you do that? You're Jewish. Telling my mother how I had invited Jesus into my life. She didn't say much. She was weeping. She told my father they weren't happy at all. And she said, I don't blame them for killing Jesus after the things that he said. Who is he to come against these religious leaders that have dedicated their lives to helping people and to tell them that they are whitewashed tombs? Who is he, this young man in his 30s, to say this to these scholars? He got what he deserved. And my mother's a very deep, pensive, careful reader. She read from Genesis right on through the Tanakh, the whole thing. When she got done, I said, what did you think? She said, God warned us over and over again. He warned us. When my daughter was about 15, my mother and father came to visit us. At one point, my mother went into her room for several hours. She came out. She said, what a young girl you have. She talked to me for a long time. She started reading the Bible again, both the Old and the New Testament. One day, not long after that, she called me on the phone at the age of 72. She said, Jimmy, you wouldn't believe what happened. I said, what happened? She said, I was just reading. And it hit me. It hit me. The way he gave his life. I believe it now. Jesus is the Son of God. As the nation of Israel struggles to keep control of the Promised Land and her enemies fight and riot against her, how can we know that Israel's future will indeed be glorious? That's the topic of our latest offer, a book written by Harold Sevener, the past president of Chosen People Ministries, called Israel's Glorious Future. 
Explore the ancient prophecies that reveal the faithfulness of God's everlasting covenants with His chosen people in this concise guide. Request your copy of Israel's Glorious Future today by visiting us online at chosenpeople.com offer. That's chosenpeople.com offer. Or ask for Harold Sevener's book when you call 888-293-7482. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Mitch, I really enjoy the discussion when we're talking about Israel and these covenant promises that God has made to Abraham, to Moses, even later on to David, and of course in the New Covenant. And that's really what I want to end our time on here. Uh, as we look at those promises about the regathering of the Jewish people to the physical land of Israel, and then that spiritual rebirth that is described in Deuteronomy 30 as the circumcised heart. It's described in Ezekiel 36 as uh, God's spirit being breathed into the hearts and the hearts of stone becoming hearts of flesh. And in Jeremiah 31, it's talked about as the law of God being written on the hearts of his people. All those promises, they find their fulfillment, their fullness in the new covenant. And they're only possible in and through Jesus, Yeshua, the Messiah. Which means, Bobby, in order to have all these promises fulfilled, that the Jewish people need to turn to Jesus. Right. Paul says that in at the end, all Israel will be saved. And you can read through Romans chapter 11, uh, verses 25, particularly through 29, where we read that the covenants and promises of God are irrevocable. Mm-hmm. Uh, God will never fail to keep his word. So do the Jewish people have a divine right to the land? Do the Jewish people have a divine deed to the land of Israel? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do they need to deserve the land in order to get the land? The answer to that is not unless God causes them to deserve it. So let me share with you a scripture where that actually is predicted. Zechariah 12.10. I'll pour out on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication so that they will look on me whom they have pierced And they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. And they will weep bitterly over him like the bitter weeping over a firstborn. So there's no doubt that one day God will pour his spirit. He'll take the initiative and turn the hearts of the Jewish people to Jesus. And when the Jewish people turn to Jesus, Jesus returns and establishes his throne in Jerusalem, the wonderful, exciting kingdom of David. And Jesus will be the true king of Israel at that time, and the Jewish people will follow him. I look forward to that great day, Bobby. How about you? Absolutely. I want to see it happen. And until it does, Chosen People Ministries will continue to sow the seed of the gospel in the hearts and souls of Jewish people all over the world. Once again, you've been listening to The Chosen People. This program can be heard every weekend right here on your local radio station or online when you visit chosenpeople.com radio. And to stay connected with us throughout the week, be sure to check us out on your social media platforms. You'll find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just click the like or subscribe button and you're good to go. And now, let's close our time with the ironic benediction. Yivarechacha Adonai v'yishmarecha Ya'er Adonai panavalecha v'yichunecha 
Yisadonai Ponovelecha Vyasem lecha Shalom May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you. May the face of the Lord shine upon you and give you peace. B'Shem Shel Yeshua HaMashiach, Sar Shalom, in the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace. The Chosen People is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries.